Well, in Psalm 92, we read how good it is to praise the Lord, to sing a joyful song, and to your name, O God Most High, make music all day long, to show your love when morning comes, your faithfulness at night, with music of stringed instruments, your praise to recite. For by your mighty deeds, O Lord, you make my spirit glad. I sing for joy when I survey the works your hands have made. Well, let's worship the Lord together as we stand and we'll sing, Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives.
let's unite our hearts as we pray together. Let's pray. Oh, our gracious, loving, heavenly Father, how we worship you this morning. Lord, we desire to join with the angels in glory where we would cry and sing and praise holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and hallelujah and is to come. Father, Son and Holy Spirit, triune God, we do sing your praises this morning. And we would ask that that worship of heaven Oh, that it would come down and fill this sanctuary. Oh, may we know the angels in glory joining us as we worship the Lamb upon the throne, the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world for us. Lord Jesus, we just thank you this morning. We thank you for the finished work of Calvary. You didn't just come to this world to be born for us. But you came to live the perfect life for us. A sinless life. You suffered for us. You endured such pain, such anguish. And Lord, there on the cross, you suffered hell for us. And Lord, we thank you that you didn't just die for us, but you were buried and you were raised for us. And so, Lord Jesus, we worship you this morning, knowing that, yes, you sit at the right hand of the Father. You intercede for us. You pray for us. You stand on our behalf. You're the great mediator of the covenant. You're the great high priest. And Lord, we thank you that we can come to you today with all our frailty, in all our weakness, and Lord, with all our sinfulness. But oh, how we rejoice that even in all our sins that we can come running to you because we know that under your wings we can find forgiveness. We find such mercy, such grace, and such love. Oh, may we come under your wings this morning. Oh, that we would find shelter from the storms and the trials. Oh, may we know today a day of sweet rest as we abide in you. Lord, strengthen us. Empower us again of your Holy Spirit. Oh, fill us to overflowing. Lord, if the apostles and the early church, if they needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit, then surely we need to be filled. And so, Lord, would you pour out from heaven. Grant us another day of Pentecost. Lord, that you would pour refreshing streams from your throne upon our gathering here, that it would even go out from here, that would flow through the streets, our communities, our homes, through the nations. And Lord, oh, that we would bring glory to you. 
And so, Lord, as we now turn to you in prayer, I know each heart here will have their own quiet thoughts and their prayers. They'll have their worries, their fears, those that they love so dearly. Lord, I ask that you would carry their prayers today. Oh, may they come before the throne of grace. And Lord, as we leave them there, we can leave them with such confidence, knowing that you are the God who answers prayer. And so, Lord, unite our hearts now as we share in the Lord's Prayer, praying together. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our reading is taken from the Old Testament book of Exodus, chapter 14, verses 13 to 25. This can be found on page 75 of the Pew Bible. Exodus chapter 14, verses 13 to 25. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go to the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, so they will go on after them, and I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the angel of God, who had been travelling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other, so neither went near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back from a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them, and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He made the wheels of their chariots come off so they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. May the Lord bless to us the reading of his precious word. Amen. Well, I would like us now to return to our reading there in Exodus chapter 14. We've been following Israel on their journey to freedom. And last Sunday we were sharing on the Passover, where God delivers his people, where he rescues them from bondage. 
And we're told that he delivers them by the blood of the Lamb. And we're told that we're never to forget the Exodus. Never, never forget. And I'm sure every father and mother in Israel would never have forgotten. When they knew that a child, someone would die in their home. As, the, as word went out, yes, every home in Egypt, including the land of Goshen where the Israelites had dwelt, were told that yes, even a, someone had to die in their home too. But there in Goshen, that someone who died was a lamb. And of course, we see there the gospel, the gospel of Christ. No wonder John said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is our Passover Lamb to be set free, to be delivered from our sins, to be forgiven at all. Never mind being, feeling worthy of getting into heaven. None of us do. I'm sure today there's not a single heart in here that can say, I'm good enough. I deserve to get to heaven. Not a single soul can say that. But the reason that we can, that we can know an eternal joy, that glory with God is because of a lamb that must die for us. For Israel, a lamb had to die in order that they wouldn't die. So that they would live and the blood of the lamb was put on these doors, the tops and the sides of the doors. And when you look at the cross of Calvary, we see there the blood at the top and the sides. And that blood, that lamb that was shed for us. And therefore we can say today, Oh, what a wonderful Savior. Our great Redeemer. Our great Deliverer. As Israel looked to the Lamb, we look to the Lamb. We look to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. And so today, when you put your trust in Christ, when you have that precious blood sprinkled upon your own heart, your home, your life, when the blood's applied to your heart and home, when you put your trust in that blood, you're saved for all eternity. Can you imagine those living in Goshen? I'm sure they must have been trembling at the thought as they sprinkled the blood on the doors and then they would go into their home and I'm sure some in the home must have said, did it work? <laughs> Has it worked? Is that it? Having the blood applied to our home, our hearts, is that it? Is it enough? Because they couldn't see outside the door. They couldn't see whether it worked or not. But they would have maybe, some of them may have that night been trembling in fear. But when the death angel passed over and that night only the lamb died, I'm sure they must have grown in their faith in that precious blood. 
I'm sure their hearts would have been strengthened knowing that you can trust the Lord. You can trust his promises and you can put your whole trust in the blood of Jesus, in the blood of the Lamb. You can. And Israel are a wonderful example to us that we can trust him. And so when Jesus died on that cross at, in Calvary, on Golgotha's hill for us, when we receive him and when we put our trust in the blood of Jesus, you can know today, I can trust him. And I can trust that that blood of Christ that was shed for me will cleanse me of all my sins. You know, sometimes we go through our lives wondering, oh, am I really forgiven? Has the Lord really forgiven me for that sin and that sin and that one? But oh, I was so awful when I did that and when I was thinking like that and when I was acting like that. And you know, many of us look back to our past and we say, oh, could God possibly forgive me? I paid him no attention. I walked away from him. When I was younger, yes, I put my trust in the Lord, but I've been walking away. Uh, my heart's grown colder. My faith is just flickering. Can I really trust him now? Will his blood really cleanse, cleanse me of all my sins? Oh, can I encourage you today? You can trust that blood. You can trust what Christ did on Calvary. And as we put our trust in him, Remember, when we get to heaven, when we get to the gates of heaven, the Lord is not looking for what you've done. He's not saying, right, come on, show me what you've done then in your life. What have you done with your life? Let's see if it's enough to get in here. That is not what the Lord will be asking you. He will be asking you, have you the lamb? Have you got the lamb? Remember when Israel came to the high priest with their sacrifices? They would bring a lamb or they would bring their sacrifice. And that's what our high priest is looking for. Have you got the lamb with you? Have you got Jesus? Remember Simeon as he held on to the precious lamb of God? On that day when he went into the temple, there was Mary and Joseph with Jesus. And Simeon held the lamb. And he said, Lord, let thy servant depart in peace. I can go to heaven now. I have the lamb. I have the lamb and I'm not letting him go. Today, are you holding on to the lamb? Or are you holding on to your good deeds, your good works, your church attendance? Are you holding on to your prayer life, your daily readings, are you holding on to just the things that you do? Or today, can I ask you, are you holding on to the Lamb? Are you holding on to Him? Uh, is your trust single on that precious Lamb? If you are holding the Lamb today, if you've received Christ, if you've put your trust in Him, there's a promise that comes that you are redeemed. You're forgiven. All your sins are dealt with. Past, present, and surprise, surprise, 
your future sins are all dealt with by the Lamb. Yes, you may well trip and stumble and sin again tomorrow and the day after. Isn't it lovely as we put our trust in Christ? We know our sins are forgiven. He has paid for them all. And as Israel put their trust in that lamb, and as the lamb died for them, Oh, they were rescued from the bondage of their sin. They were no longer slaves to sin. They were set free, delivered, yes, by the Lamb of God. But then we notice that God doesn't just deliver them. He doesn't just forgive them and say, right, enjoy the journey. Do what you can. Try and do your best to get to Sinai and I'll see you there. Hopefully you'll make it. No. The Lord, the shepherd of Israel, goes out before them. Like a good shepherd. He doesn't go behind them with his rod striking them, move on. No, he goes out in front of them. That's a good shepherd. The shepherd leads his sheep. And now God is going to guide them out of Egypt. He's going to be with them all the way. Step by step, the Lord will be with them. And in the same way, the Lord tells us, I'll be with you always. I'm not waiting in heaven for you to arrive. I'm with you. I'm going to guide you through each day. And yes, when you fail and when you become so faithless, I'll still be with you. I'll encourage you. Come on now. Keep going. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Oh, come with me. And day by day, the Lord encourages us as the shepherd of Israel, the good shepherd, the chief shepherd, the great shepherd. He encourages us. Come on. Are you coming with me? And as Israel were laid out by the pillar of cloud by day, and then even in the night hour, God's presence was seen and felt. That fiery cloud of, that cloud of fire by night. Oh, they knew our God, Emmanuel. God is with us. And so here they are now. As they leave Egypt or as they begin their journey out of Egypt. They were now traveling in the will of God. They were obedient. And they began to take these steps. But as we come into chapter 14 of Exodus, and especially there in verses 5 to 9, we notice that trouble came. You thought that when you put your trust in the Lord, when you put your trust in the Lamb, you thought that life was going to be perfect. We would never sin again. We would never doubt again. We would never fear again. How many Christians have thought that, oh, when, when I become a Christian, that's me. I'm a better person. And I'm gonna, I'll be much better than I was. <laughs> oh, look at Israel. As they began the journey, trouble came. Trouble came. Pharaoh decided, when he saw God's almighty works... He saw God, the true and the living God, working in, through Egypt. 
But his heart was so hardened. He was so hardened against not just Israel, but against the God of Israel. He said, no, I'm not going to let them go. They had already begun their journey, but oh, Pharaoh was now going to come after them. And so the Egyptians now, these 600 chariots and the army of Egypt come now after Israel. And now they come to the shore. Israel are now encamped at the shore. And now they hear the noise, the distant rumbling. I wonder what that is. And then they realize that the army of Egypt have come out against them. And as they are caught in that cleft, on that shore, remember that there's probably around, there's maybe a couple of million people here. It wasn't just a wee small encampment. <laughs> there was a crowd. Possibly over two million people had now gathered around that area. And they saw that Egypt was coming. That mighty army coming against Israel. And they weren't prepared for a battle. They were convinced that they were set free. They were now, that's them. It, they were home and dry. For, the, for Israel, they thought, we've made it already. They hadn't reached yet, but they were convinced, oh, we've done it. We can just relax. But no, the enemy comes. The enemy comes. And the first signs of the enemy, the first signs of a storm, the first signs of trouble, what do we find? Israel are ready to give up. They instantly lose hope. They're in trouble. And they, it's as if they've forgotten already. God told them, remember, remember. Remember my promises. Remember my presence. Remember my works. Remember who I am. I'm the God who has delivered you. And so soon they had forgotten. It didn't take them long in the journey of faith before they began to lose heart. So can I ask a question? <laughs> what do you do when you come to a place where you're in trouble? What do you do? What should, have, what should Israel have done? Here they are in trouble. They're in a storm. They're in a place where they feel as if it's, it's out of control. I don't know what to do. I'm stuck. And here they are, stuck. Well, here in Exodus, we're told what to do. And Israel were to learn. What do you do when you're in trouble? Well, first thing. Don't focus on what you see. Verses 10 to 12, notice. Don't focus on what you see. Don't, you're seeing the problem. You're seeing trouble. You're seeing the impossible. But don't focus on that. Here's the children of Israel. They were afraid. They were already in the habit of having such fear of Pharaoh. 
And so what did they do? They prayed. When they were in trouble, yes, they prayed, but then they pouted. <laughs> After prayer, then they began to go back and focus on the problem. Yes, they cried out. They cried out to Moses. They began to complain. And as they were pouting, and as the people complained to Moses, in verse 11, what have you done to us? Why have you done this? I thought I, I was forgiven. I thought I was now a Christian and I thought that I would be trouble free in the rest of my life. I thought I would never have to face any heartaches or heartbreaks. I thought that I was going to go through life without losing loved ones. I thought I was going to go through life without any problems whatsoever. Why have you done this to us, Moses? Why? And you know, there are many, there's been many a soul who has gone through heartaches and they've often come to a place where they say, God, why have you done this to me? Why? Well, can I say, if you've ever been in that place, you're not alone. You're not alone. We've all been there. Where things have happened in our lives and we just say, Lord, why? Some of us have lost dear friends in their teenage years. A dear friend died of a heart attack one Saturday morning. He sang in our, singing, our church singing group and we were all heartbroken. And you know, that was my own prayer was, Lord, why? Why did Ross have to die? And you know, my heart was just... And the group, the, our praise group, Tokimich, they in the church group, you know, we all were just broken. We just couldn't understand it. And you know, yes... There are times in our lives we do have these questions. And Israel, we're the same. And maybe today you're going through the same. Lord, why? But one thing I've come to experience in my own life, and I've come to testify today, is that I can tell you, you can trust the Lord through every storm. Whatever comes upon your life, whether it's sickness or illness or just the loss of a loved one, or maybe something goes wrong in your life, something affects your family, I can tell you, you can trust him. You can trust the Lord with it all. And so here, Israel, were encouraged, don't focus on what you see. You're seeing the problems. You're seeing the trouble. As the people complained, they said, you know this? We were better as slaves in Egypt than to be graves here at this shoreline. They thought that it was a choice between, that's it then. <laughs> What's better? Was it better being in Egypt as a slave or is it better here at the shoreline? Yes, with God, but now we're going to be in a grave. And as they saw the problem, they turned to bitterness and they forgot God's promises. And so we're told when you're in trouble, Israel, when you get into this place of trouble, don't focus on what is seen. Focus 
on what is unseen. Here Moses now comes and he shares a word. He tells them, God has a word for you. The unseen God. Oh, put your trust in him. Put your trust in the Lord. This is what he has to say to you. Fear not. I like that. The Lord didn't go straight for the jugular. He didn't say, what are you doing? Can't you trust me? Haven't you learned to trust me yet? Haven't I shown you that I'm faithful? That I really love you and I care for you? Am I not worthy of, of you following me anymore? I've done so much for you. Count your blessings, yes. I've held you. I've taken you through all your storms and trials. I've been there for you. And now you turn to bitterness? Instead, the Lord doesn't go for the jugular. He doesn't say, oh dear, what am I going to do with you? No. He understands. He's the shepherd. As he leads his sheep out, he knows his sheep. He knows their hearts and they know his voice and the Lord just comes in a sweet way and he tells them oh fear not I know you're frightened I understand I get it what's happening is a fearful situation but can I encourage you don't be frightened trust me keep following me hold my hand I'm going to take you through this and so he says, fear not. And then he says, and stand still. Don't flap. I want you to focus on the unseen. I want you to look at this situation through the eye of faith. Just stand Stand still, be confident, be bold, be courageous. Stand on my promises. Stand, just stand still. Consider who I am, what I've done for you, and what I'm going to do for you. Just stand. You know, when Paul encouraged the church to put on the whole armor of God, he also said, and whatever you do, stand. Stand. Don't run away from this problem. Don't flap in the storm. Don't give up. Don't bury your head in the sand and just be ready to die. Don't give up on the Lord here. Stand still. And then the Lord says, and now... As you stand, as you put your trust in me, as you hold on to me through this storm, now see the salvation of your God. Look, I'm going to save you. I promised you, I'm going to save you. I'm going to deliver you. I'm taking you out of this place of bondage and you are coming into the promised land. I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my people. You are the flock of my pasture and you are going to dwell with me 
And oh, it'll be like heaven on earth as you trust me, as you are obedient to me, as you surrender to me, as you stand still, as you hold on to me. See the salvation of the Lord. You know, the Hebrew writer tells us to hold firm, to stand upon what is unseen. And now they believe, they trust the Lord. And now they're ready. Okay, Lord, <laughs> there is nothing else we can do, so Lord, we're going to stand. We'll stand. And now, in verses 15 to 22, we notice that they weren't to sit in prayer. They were to focus on moving forward. They weren't now just to sit there saying, oh, that's great, the Lord's going to do everything for us, we might as well have a wee party, we'll sit here and just let's see, God's going to do everything anyway, God will do everything, we don't need to do anything. I'm saved, hallelujah. Doesn't matter about my life. Doesn't matter what I do. It's, oh no, God's going to do everything for me. No. God says, stop praying. Have you ever heard God saying to you, stop praying? I, I, I want everyone pray. <laughs> keep praying. And of course, we do keep praying. And we are to keep praying. But here the Lord says, but I don't want you just to pray. I don't want you just sitting here and just whatever. No, I want you now to move forward. Focus now on moving forward. Go forward. It seems such a contradiction, didn't it? How can you move forward? It's all water. But they knew. Well, if God is asking us to move forward, then we have to, even if it means going through the water. Remember what the Lord said to Isaiah? Even when you go through the waters, I'll be with you. Oh, that's faith. And as they were ready now in heart to move forward, Moses is instructed to stand on the rock, to stand there and now to lift up his rod. And the waters were told separated. God divided these waters. And these waters, it was like walls going up. And then Israel were told, now focus on moving forward. Trust me. And we're told that the cloud of fire by night and the pillar of cloud by day, that cloud of God's presence went in front of them. And they were led through the Red Sea on dry ground. And as they followed the Lord, they weren't just running ahead themselves. No, God was leading them. He was taking them out. And as he led them through the Red Sea, Oh, can you see your shepherd? But now the Egyptians are catching up. And we hear now that as, they, as trouble came again, 
as trouble came again. I love what God does. The temptation for Israel would be to stop and to turn around and to look at the problem again. But what does God do? God goes behind them. The cloud now goes between Israel and Egypt. So as Israel, even if they were tempted to look back, who would they see? <laughs> they would see the Lord. Oh, we can trust him. And so they moved forward. And as they moved forward, the people were set free. Today, when you remember the Passover, the Passover speaks of the death of Christ, the death of the Lamb. But when we come to the Exodus, when we see the Red Sea opening up, that speaks to us of resurrection. There we see the resurrection. Yes, God had delivered his people. He had forgiven them. He had cleansed them. But now we see the resurrection as they go through the Red Sea into that newness of life. And as they traveled through, oh, their hearts were set ablaze. Today, I wonder, are you in trouble? <laughs> Does your heart feel troubled? Do you feel that you're in a situation that you can't get out of? Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's just a circumstance that you're facing. Maybe it's a trial. It's maybe a dark night. You just feel that you're going through a dark night of the soul. You're not sure about your future and you're just worried. Oh, can I encourage you? Don't focus on the problem. But will you lift your face to him? Will you put your trust in the Lord? And will you, yes, pray, but would you move forward too? Will you walk with the Lord today? Will you put your hand in the hand of the Lord? Will you follow Jesus? Even through the storms, even through the waters, Will you put your trust knowing that, Lord, even if I go through the waters, you're with me. Oh, whatever you're going through. And here at the High Kirk, and in the church in Scotland, oh, we can trust the Lord, whatever we're going through. And so, as we move forward, as a church, as we move forward in prayer, as we move forward in faith, as we move forward with the Lord, oh, keep looking up. And may the Lord empower you. May you know his resurrection life. May you know that newness of life as you follow after him. Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Oh, let's be obedient as we follow after him. And so let's pray together. Oh, our loving Heavenly Father, we do rejoice in our Redeemer, our exalted Saviour, our Good Shepherd, the Shepherd of Israel. 
And Lord, we thank you that, Jesus, as you sit at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf, oh, how we worship you as the Lamb upon the throne of heaven, the one who rules over all. And so we pray to you, Lord Jesus, our King of kings and Lord of lords. We give thanks for your presence here today and for the opportunity to express our love through our tithes and our offerings. But we also pray that you would listen to the cry of each heart here today and those who are listening online, O oh Lord, hear their hearts. For Lord, we pray for a troubled world. We pray especially for those who feel trapped and enslaved to sin's enticements, to the world's temptations, or to Satan's wiles. Oh, we pray, Lord, for forgiveness, for deliverance, for freedom, and for times of refreshing. But Lord, we also pray for a world, a world in trouble, a world at war. Oh, grant peace where there is unrest. As we think of the Ukraine, Russia, North Korea, Afghanistan, Sudan, and the other African nations that are knowing such trouble and heartache. Lord, we pray today for the peace of Jerusalem. You encourage us to pray for that holy land. And so, Lord, we do pray for your Jewish people, the Jewish people there. And we pray also for the Arab nations. Oh, Lord, would you come? Grant such peace. Grant healing where there is hurt, hatred and pain. Lord, we pray for our own nation, our communities, our streets, our towns, our villages, our islands. Lord, we pray for those who are worried about the future and, and their place in it. Lord, we lift up our NHS, those in social care, those in science, and those in research, those in government, those in teaching. Lord, we think of the rail industry and local shops and the delivery service. Lord, where we've seen trouble in so many areas where people feel that they're not valued. Lord, we pray for all the areas of society, Lord, that need you. Lord, we lift up all those involved in our emergency services who face desperate situations, whether in the ambulance, the fire service, the armed forces, or, or our police service. And so, Lord, today, as we look on a troubled world and our own troubled communities, Lord, be especially near to those who are struggling. We lift up the families of all those who have lost loved ones, and for those who are struggling right now, Oh, touch them with your healing presence. And for those here today, to the burdened, to the sorrowful, to the fearful, to the downcast, oh, we pray that you will strengthen us 
in our faith. Grant us a deep and unshakable assurance in Christ our Redeemer. Lord, we pray that your love and joy would overflow our hearts as we trust you. And may we find hope as we face uncertain days in our nation. And Lord, now fill us and empower us with your Holy Spirit. For we do pray this for your eternal glory and in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, we're going to sing in our closing hymn. This is a beautiful hymn. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word.
And so may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the fellowship, comfort and power of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore.